Peter, it's exciting to have you here at Silverfest, too. I know the last time you were on the show, we were talking about putting some numbers behind, rather than just saying silver is manipulated, the dollar is hyperinflated, which are also true. But what is, whether we get the exact number or not, coming up with some sort of framework so people can put their own assumptions, but at least have some thoughts of how you guys might approach it. Well, hello there, my silver Arcadian friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And tonight a video I'm really excited to share because back at Silverfest 2, geez, already a couple months ago, one of the topics we had a panel about is how much is an ounce of silver actually worth? Obviously, myself as well as others on the channel talk a lot about how we think the price is far lower than it would be in any sort of freely traded market. Yet, all right, so silver is going to go higher, but much higher. And rather than even thinking of, is this person's exact answer correct? What I loved about this panel is that you heard a bunch of different experts explain a framework, how they would go about thinking about it. So these now you can look at their answers, but also think about how you might value it based on your own assumptions. So with that said, if you've ever wondered how much an ounce of silver is actually worth, well, here you go. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Mark is back with you at Silverfest 2, where it is heating up in the afternoon here in Mexico on the silver capital of the entire planet. Before we go further, James Anderson, Bill Holder, Peter Kraut, are we all in agreement? Mexico is silver capital of the planet? Hands down. And are we all in agreement that based on the current known knowledge, Gold could be great, but if gold is great, the probabilities would indicate that when you know the full information, which we can dig into in this panel, about how much is an ounce of silver actually worth, if you took an equivalent dollar amount, say $10,000, and you put it in gold, you put another $10,000 in silver, Bill, 20 years from now, which pile would be worth more in dollar terms? Uh-oh, David Morgan's so coming be- in a little pressure on. They'll both be worth infinity in dollar terms, you said. No, I asked which would be. No, you said in dollar (laughs) terms. They would both be worth infinity. If the dollar goes to zero, a cup of coffee is infinity. All right, Yara, young whippersnapper, correct. Let's get two ounces for Bill. He is correct. These are the kind of things. Silver, however, silver will be gold on steroids. Three ounces for Bill. Bill Holter of JS Mindset, partner of Mr. Gold, Jim Sinclair. I don't know, Bill, does that make you Mr. Silver? Welcome on in, sir. How are you today? Thank you. Glad to be here. Bill's, uh, he's got a second delay there, but he was crushing it on the main stage yesterday. So, Bill, great to have you back here today. James Anderson, legend of SD Bullion. As David Morgan and uh, Chris Marchese are getting logged in, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Good to see you. Great to be here. And Peter Kraut, great to have you back. A regular uh, guest on the show these days. And Peter, it's exciting to have you here at Silverfest, too. I know the last time you were on the show, we were talking about putting some numbers behind, rather than just saying silver is manipulated, the dollar is hyperinflated, which are also true. But what is, whether we get the exact number or not, coming up with some sort of framework so people can put their own assumptions, but at least have some thoughts of how you guys might approach it. So Peter, uh, 
of Silver Stock Investor, Gold Resource Investor. And where did we find those again, Peter? Silverstockinvestor.com and goldresourceinvestor.com. All right. And Peter, great to have you here. How are you Thank doing today? Well, I'm having a great time. Happy to be here. All right. Well, it's great to have all three here. Guys at and ladies at home, get those questions coming. I mean, these are your chance to ask these world-class experts, in my opinion. I'm going to leave the framework and then, James, you moderate. I'm going to go enjoy this one from the pool myself. But at least when I think of what – if I knew the numbers, how I would approach this – before this thing, the dollar came along, people were using gold and silver as money. Bill, is that correct? You're absolutely right. If gold and silver were money before a dollar was invented, and under the original system we were sold, it's like, all right, hey, rather than lugging our gold nuggets around, we'll have a set amount of these dollars. We won't have people like Jamie Dimon, whoever print more at random, so this is stable. Gold supply, you know, we mine some more, but it's going to be roughly stable. We'll keep it in check. So far, so good. Peter Kraut? Agreed. So if we actually knew, if that's the definition of a dollar, then it's a simple fraction. You have X number of ounces of gold, and then you have X dollars. You just divide the two. And assuming that the government isn't lying to their own constituents and committing felony after felony like we know that they do, but assuming in a more Arcadian world, it would just be simple math. Are you with me so far, James? Yeah. So if we knew the numbers now, how many dollars are out there? Bill Holter, do you think the Fed is actually telling us the real amount of dollars they print? No, and we have no idea how much gold we actually have because there's not been an audit since the 1950s. But a dollar Correct. was truly defined, I believe, as 371 grains of silver. Yeah, That was the original definition of the dollar. The, the actual word dollar comes from the, from the coin Thaler, which was a silver coin. Yeah, so it, that is exactly right. It, silver and dollar are synonymous. So perhaps if we take that a step further, we at least have the beginning of a framework. Maybe we don't know those exact numbers, but at least that's the beginning of a thought process. Then we can make estimates. If there are this many dollars and there's this much gold, we don't know exactly. But at least now we have a formula that we can plug our inputs into and begin to create a scenario analysis like we might look at it in option trading land. Mm -hmm. Chris Marchese, welcome to the party. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, pretty good. Uh, David's here. He's trying to log in. Um, no problem. So. How fortunate to calculate this stuff. The Silver Guru is joining us momentarily. Thank you, Chris Marchese. Great to have you here from SilverSeek.com and GoldSeek.com. And what is the other one where they actually can see your trades? Uh, GoldSeeker, but we're actually moving that to gold seek so it's an open source uh, model portfolio open source you can't get that kind of transparency out of ross benham and the fed bill i won't make a comment on that don't say anything <laughs> yet james i'm gonna pass the silver yeah, yeah. over to you okay can you right, a, guys. you give away at least 10 ounces of silver during this panel mm -hmm. and b now that we have a framework established we have a general formula feel free to break the formula adjust additional variables i see peter's ready to help 
but if we had some approximation for evaluation of gold, then yeah. we could say maybe we can, one value silver the only, based. The only, the only question then becomes what's the gold silver ratio going to spike to? And right. you know, where are we going with James, that? James, lead the yep. conversation. Have we'll fun. It. I'm going to go enjoy from the pool this beautiful yeah. silver fest. How grateful. David Morgan will come in for any answers that obviously I wouldn't know. Hey, Chris, thanks for putting this on, by the way. We love you. Thank you guys for being here. James just promised, show the love. Just pick out the silver. All you have to do is write down the names, buddy. Yeah, I will. Don't right. hold you up to four ounces. I'm going to make a note of that now. I'll, I'll check back in on you guys, okay? Cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So I think that's basically right on, but there's so much stuff on it. It won't really work for that well for a list writing uh, you know, piece of paper. So we have to set up the parameter knowing that um, where this may go. And, and obviously the discussion becomes a combination of, yeah, what's the Fiat Federal Reserve note nominal price spike high? And then what in true terms of real value could it go to in, in an absolute mania to the upside? Because Lord knows we've been sitting in a depressionary suppression for centuries, essentially. If you go back and look at history, there's only been a couple of times where we almost got to see a free market price of silver actually hit. So let's uh, let's kick it over to David. First of all, thank you coming sorry uh, you know there's a little bit of technical difficulties there but uh let's uh let's get into it i'm sure you've been asked this question many many a time so go ahead okay well thank you james and thanks everyone i admire all of you as you probably know and also it's really nice to have some support you know it was like me and ted butler in the very beginning there wasn't much else and uh anyway so i'm gonna go i'm gonna try to be succinct james but there's a couple there's several ways to look at it one of the easiest ways is uh, one of the first articles I ever did about 2003, engineering the price of gold. And what I did there was I took the base money supply divided by the amount of gold that the treasury says we have. You want to know how many dollars per ounce is it worth? You do that arithmetic, it's a division problem. It came out $2,500 the ounce. If you did that in 1980, it came out $400 an ounce. And yet in 1980, we had a spike high of over 800, 850. 875 in the near months spot was 850. Uh, so that in that article, I said, well, look, in times of economic crisis, you could go back on a true gold coin standard where that's all you exchanged and uh, have double the supply you needed. If, of course, the treasury had what they purportedly had mm -hmm. only lasted a day or so. But I made my point. And then I said, well, how do you figure out the price of silver? based on what gold just did. This is all based on fact. And there you have to get into the idea of, well, since silver is, quote, unquote, not money by the monetary authorities, what would it be? And so the easiest thing to do, I said in my article, was just divide it by the monetary ratio of 15 to 1 you come out with the silver price. Now, I want to move on from there. Another way to look at it, and I think is more palatable to most people, that have a, the ability to think. And that is, what was the standard wage? It used to be a joke. Bill may be old enough to remember this. I'm not sure. And I'm, that's a compliment, Bill. But there's a joke called Another Day, Another Dollar. And then that, that column, Another Day, Another Dollar, it was all about you know the, the topic de jour, kind of what we call a meme today. And the cartoonist was very bright and would put up stuff you know, that was pertinent to what was going on in the newspaper. Well, the point of that whole uh, discussion is that was the average wage was a dollar a day. So if you take today, and I just did this for my latest speech at the Silver Symposium in Coeur d'Alene about a month ago. 
And I looked at it. I was actually surprised, guys. I'm just too, I could verify it off the internet, so I'm going to use their numbers. But the average wage in the U.S., according to Google, was 28 and change an hour. So I'll up that to 30 and do the math. When eight, and on the average day was 8.8 .8 hours, by the way. So if I take the 28 and move to 30, and I just use eight, so I do it in my head, that's $240 a day, which would say a dollar would be worth 240 in fiat. Now, remember, a dollar is, I think Bill said, is 371.2 fine grains of fine silver, which is about three quarters of an ounce. Now, if you pick up a silver eagle right now, it's one ounce and it says one dollar, which proves one thing and one thing only. The Treasury doesn't know what a dollar is. <laughs> I have to throw a little humor in there. Of course. You use that $240 as a, mon as a metric for what silver is really worth on a monetary basis, which is where it's the most valuable. Remember, Johnson uh, said we have to stop using silver in the coinage. It's too valuable. Think about that. So we could also go back to Rome, and now you're looking at wasn't a dollar a day. It was a tenth of an ounce a day. So I'll round up the dollar to the treasury dollar currently and make it an ounce, and it'll take a tenth ounce, and that would be worth 240 tenth ounce, which implies $2,400 gold. So you can go anywhere between $240 and $2,400. Take your pick. I'm just giving out the ideas, but they're all based in absolute, complete, and total fact, which is where I like to start my arguments, because we could subjectively say, and Bill's absolutely correct, what's the price? Infinity. When you have a, a currency that's worth nothing, then, then the opposite's infinity. I totally agree. But we aren't there yet, and I don't think we'll get there exactly. But once the public wakes up to what's been done to them, and I think James, among all of us, I'll shout out to you, probably done the best job of all of us here, and just my opinion, of really getting the idea across to the general public of what the insidious inflationary maelstrom has done to the average working person without them even knowing about it. So yeah, I'm pretty much done. Those are my main arguments. Thanks. I'm sorry I had trouble getting in. Thank you, Yara, for giving me the link. But fantastic no no starting off with me. You know, I am passionate as hell about this. I'll say one more thing. Money is power. If we put power back into people's hands, we'll have the power. We'll have control. We'll be able to do a lot of things that we aren't doing now because we have given up our our birthright of what really money is to the money masters. I'll stop there. <laughs> Great. Thank you, David. Chris, let's hear what you think. What are you, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, ultimately what is one ounce of silver value? Maybe what is it worth in various terms? Go ahead and let's hear what you think. Well, I can tell you right now exactly what it'll be worth in us dollars. And that is infinity at some point, but, uh, I joke, but, uh, you know, there's various ways to try and estimate it. For example, backing all U.S. bank reserves uh, by silver. But, you know, in the past, we haven't ever had a true silver or gold standard. It was always a fractional. It was a, a rig job. Fractional yep. back. Um, so I would use it relative to the gold price. And I think... Mm -hmm. The adoption of a gold standard is at somewhere in the world is more likely than the silver standard initially. But then, you know, this, then you try to assume what is a proper ratio. I don't think it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 to one. I mean, the, 
it's been mined at about eight and a half, nine to one. There's more above ground gold in, uh, inventories relative to silver. I guess silver's about four and a half billion ounces. Uh, gold's probably five and a half billion. So it's more scarce that way. Um, so I would maybe just use a 10 to one ratio relative to gold. Um, although it does have that added industrial component, which could push yeah. that ratio lower. Especially, especially if you're trying to go intergalactic or if you're trying to actually blow out into, you know, Buck Rogers land, silver could become something that's very important. We never know what we're going to find out about silver, platinum, some of these precious metals. I think we're still cavemen when it comes to understanding what, what, what truly they can be, they can be used for. So. Oh, completely. Like uh, I learned a lot from David, Morgan about, you know, how most uh, industrial consumption was from photography. Right. And, you know, when the tech revolution came upon us, you know, it's, it's the best conductor of heat and electricity. Yeah. So it's, it's a technology metal. And you're right. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what it could be used for. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. think they're trying to replace copper with silver for everything. And that's just not going to work. It's not, nearly as no. efficient there's, there's barely price. there's barely enough copper for what we have plans and aims to do <laughs> so good luck yeah. with the silver supply uh i have a question here in the chat looks like someone asked can someone ask bill what he thinks the post reset price of gold and silver has already has already long ago been determined at <laughs> so he's giving off the idea that they already know what the price is going to be in a reset <coughs> um I think at one point in time, in the early 2000s, there was a, re, a, a reset price. There was a reset number. Uh, if you go back to, I think it was 2003, 2004, you had Judy Shelton talking about $10,000 an ounce. And uh, it included the SDR. I think we've, gone, we've blown way past that as far as uh, debt terms are concerned. So I think that number is... Oh, yeah. It's three times pretty much out the door. Right. It's out the door. Um, As far as the pricing of silver, um, first off, let's just use round numbers. God's ratio is 10 to 1. Silver comes out of the ground is slightly less than, than 10 to 1. Historically, the ratio was 15 to 16 to 1. So you got to ask, you know, why was that? Why was it? 15 or 16 to one when it came out of the ground at 10 to one uh, 300 years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, long before there was financial engineering. And the reason was silver had to be discounted because you needed a mule, you needed a horse, you needed a donkey or a carriage or something to carry 10 times as much weight. So what, what man did was they discounted the silver price because of the bulk. So that number of 15, 16 to one, that stood for years and years. Now, if we look at the price of, of gold, and I did this, this uh, calculation about three or four years ago, and it's, it's blown out from there. But back in, I believe it was 2017, I did the math. If you took the amount of U.S. debt, and the reason I used U.S. debt was because back in 1980, when gold hit 850, Mm-hmm. At $850 an ounce, the gold that the U.S. supposedly had would have exactly balanced 
it would have balanced our debt. Right. So if you take the debt that we have outstanding and you divide that by the gold that we supposedly have, and I don't assume that we, we do have that because we've not had an audit since the 1950s. But if you take that gold and you divide it into the amount of debt outstanding, that number in 1917 uh, was $87,000 an ounce. It's way over $100,000 an ounce now. So if you take, uh, just use the number of, of 15 to one. I mean, you know, one, one fifteenth of what's the number now? 130, 140,000. You're yeah. approaching $10,000 an ounce. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Four figure silver. Yeah. Right. Four figure silver. Exactly. High four figure silver at that kind of length of, of right. Jeez. Wow. Um, Peter, let's uh, let's talk about this. I'm sure someone that let's say they walked into this conversation off the street and saw us five silver cokes sitting here having these conversations. I mean, uh, let's be honest, like they would think we are absolutely insane and that, you know, we've been talking about this for how many decades now? This is never going to happen. You guys are a bunch of lame, you know, losers, dead money, whatever. So, Peter, what do you say to that? Well, I I tell them that they're all suffering from uh, recency bias. Right. Right? <laughs> because um, you know, uh, a year and a half ago, who thought that we would all be in lockdowns? Teachers would have to switch from, you know, first of all, schools were shut. They'd have to switch to online learning within a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. You'd walk out your house and uh, streets were, were quiet, was eerily quiet. And uh, we'd be wearing masks to shop. The only things that were operating were uh, grocery stores healthcare and, you know, some, some essential services. So I'd say that that's, that's the problem. If, if they think we're kooks, um, maybe we spend too much time looking at this stuff. <laughs> maybe they don't, they don't spend enough. Yeah. Right. And right. so um, I, I think that's, you know, that, that's the answer to that. Um, we, we, we spend so much time and um, I think, yeah, you could you could maybe argue maybe we spend too much time, but uh, these are our jobs, and we were trying to understand this as well as we can. And um, you know, numbers like five thousand dollar gold, ten thousand dollar gold don't sound or look so ridiculous anymore. Yeah. Gold's at nearly two thousand. It was last August, mm -hmm. back in twenty sixteen. Uh, there was an interesting article. It was um, it was uh, Jim Rickards who had uh, made his own calculation based on M one money supply. And uh, he said, if you backed with 40%, which was what we had in the past, the M1 money supply, and this is back in 2016, you were at $10,000 gold. Right. I've been saying for a decade, $5,000 is a realistic target. So if you go from 5,000 and you use a, what I think again is, you know, again, a realistic ratio, we've thrown it around a couple of times uh, in the last uh, 20 minutes, 15 to one, which is where we got in 1980, you have $300 silver. That yeah. that's my that's my realistic target. But Peter, the, the one thing David often says, and I've heard him say it, is that um, ninety percent of the gains happen in the you know, last portion of the uh, time when you start going up an exponential wall, whether it's politically reset or whether it is the actual free market just stomping the crap out of the shorts and people getting seriously scared because the fiat currency has no value storage anymore. It literally is just leaking like crazy. And they just go running to real things. And that is hyperinflation by definition. Right. And so, David, I mean, let's talk to that. I mean, like, obviously, gold's going to probably front run a little bit in terms of value gains. And then silver later usually does that kind of lag. And then 
flows right past gold in terms of performance. I mean, here we are at 70s, mid-70s gold-silver ratio. Next year, probably going back toward the 50s, I would think. Um, you know, let's talk about how, in terms of how it ends, how these manias typically end and how crazy you can really get. Sure. So the 90% of the move in the last 10% of the time can be proven in the last bull market. So if you look at, and you can, you know, it's easy to monkey with numbers, but if you start when the silver bull market started, which is when it was demonetized in 1965, even though you could cash in your silver search through 1968, it was taken out of circulation officially in 1965. So you can go from 1965 to the peak in 1980 at $50 an ounce round numbers. You do the math, and basically, silver had a very good run up until January 1979 and basically kept you even or better with the official inflation rate. So in January of 1979, silver was sitting at an all-time high of six Federal Reserve notes per ounce silver. And most people won't buy a new high. In fact, a lot of people that had held for 14 years probably thought six was about it. Some may have cashed out. But if you're a rank speculator and you knew nothing about-how markets move and you bought the all-time high in January at six dollars and waited one year, you would have had an 800 percent increase in one year, far exceeding the 14-year mount, that rugged climb up and down, backing and filling and going up and down and up and down and finally reaching that six dollar level. Right. One thing I failed to point out about this, James and, and everyone listening, of course is that after it peaked at 50, and it wasn't one day, so let's get clear on that, mm -hmm. its average price for all of 1980 was $20. Now, let's think about that. It hit an all-time high of six in January 1979, and the average price for a year was over triple that all-time high for the following year, which proves to me that silver was extremely undervalued until somebody had the, let's say, the foresight to understand how undervalued it was and started to implement their idea into physical reality, i.e. the Hunt brothers and some of the Arab sheikhs at the time. And that really shaked up the market, no pun intended. So now, if we go forward, we're going to see, I think, the same thing. As you said, James, and I agree, gold will probably take the lead because everyone's brainwashed by the banking community that gold is money and nothing else is. If you're a gold bug, which is about one half of 1% of the entire financial system, but that doesn't mean that can't double or triple from there, which imagine that any stock or any commodity having three times the volume consistently for people wanting to get into that one investment class. Well, that will spill over into silver. And since as Chris said, and all of us know, the silver market is so small relative to gold that the amount of silver will be bid up to, you know, I've said in that, that article, and during the price of gold, in that article, I said one-tenth, okay? Mm -hmm. So that goes back to the in-the-ground natural ratio that Bill pointed out. So if we get $5,000 gold, that would say $500 silver. You get $50,000 gold, well, do the math. I mean, it's, right. and these I mean, are the terms. What people don't know, sorry, James, is it's okay. what paper's worth. It's worth nothing. I, one of my favorite little clips that I save on my computer pictures 
is guys in Zimbabwe holding up cardboard signs with currency all over it saying starving billionaire. <clears throat> One of my favorite books behind me is The Penniless Billionaires. People don't get it. These currencies go to zero or effectively zero. Right. And when you are in Venezuela and you have some silver jewelry, it doesn't have to be a coin. It doesn't have to be government minted. You got jewelry that's silver. Guess what? Your chances are you're going to have a lot better chance to eat than someone that doesn't have it. One last point I wanted to make on the last part of that silver and what's its value. Jerome Smith pointed this out, so I'll give him credit. But silver is price inelastic on the demand side for industry. Well, that's an economist way of saying what? It says that in industry, when I buy a cell phone that costs me a thousand bucks and I've got two bucks worth of silver, I am not going to quit manufacturing that phone because silver goes to 200 an ounce or even 2,000 because it is such an infinitesimally small part of my monetary layout for the end product, it really doesn't matter what the price is. That's inelastic demand. That means I have to have silver to produce the product, and I don't give a fig what the price is because it doesn't affect the material price of my refrigerator, my smartphone, my flat screen TV, almost any industrial application. He says a minuscule amount of silver. So the demand there is, as Bill said, infinite. You're going to have it because without it, you are out of business. And that, yeah. that's another way to look at it. So I wanted to fit that in as well. So it's not true. And then, and by the, by the way, you know, if it does add a bit cost, it'll just be passed on to the consumer and just exactly. add the inflation pile. So, so be it. So Christopher, um, let's talk about, um, in terms of when you got in this market, where was silver? What price? Um, Nine, nine bucks. Nine bucks. Nine and when you when you look out on the on the future and the rise, and no one's putting you know a gun to your head to tell you when. But where do you see this thing going to like the absolute mania phase where it gets so stupid that you're almost sickened by who comes and shows up, like the Johnny Come Latelys in this market? Yeah. Well, I'll expand on what David said. You know, he outlined what happened during the okay. 70s. Go for it. Um, and oh, 1980 was just an incredible year uh, in terms of. The peaks and gold and silver but you know back then the u.s was they didn't have the structural issues and they were able to raise interest rates to curb inflation mm -hmm. additionally it this that was mostly confined to the u.s i mean and this time it's a global problem all major world economies have these just absurd debt loads that are just ever growing and they're spending more and more money that they don't have inflation is everywhere now i mean i think canada reported 4.4 percent which probably is more like 10 percent unsafe for baby boomers or you know their, their promises are coming delivered this decade and the next well how are you going to deliver those when you never save for them sounds like big time inflation yeah but then you know the real question is what do you how do you get out during the mania phase and, you know, personally, I wouldn't go to, back to fiat currencies. No, of course and, not. And it, it would have to be other commodities that are real assets. Relative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so right. that's, you know, that's how I view the mania. But I think it's just going to be absolutely out of control. I mean, imagine it on a global basis. Just right. And yeah, and David said silver is a small market. Um, even gold's a small market. I think they account for combined less than 2% of global financial assets. 
they should be more than that, obviously. Um, I mean, if they just went to 3%, that would cause the prices to skyrocket. In, in terms of in terms of in terms of history, Bill um, or anyone else in the panel, um, you know, obviously 1980 was a pretty high value for silver, but there's been higher times when silver's got probably more goods and services, depending on where you were in the world. For instance, for an example, um, silver, if people don't know out there, is the, literally the money that was used for globalization and trade. As soon as we finally figured out that you could take a boat from the Philippines to Mexico and not die on the trip, uh, then all of a sudden. <laughs> Silver became a huge export to China, and people in Mexico City were rocking Chinese silk. Okay, and this was like 1600s. This is before the U.S. even came around. So, uh, you know, obviously in China, if you had silver, you probably could have bought a you know a lot more than you could have done in 1980 in terms of goods and services with one troy ounce of silver. So maybe anyone on the panel know of a crazier mania that that's happened in silver? Be speak on up. Hmm. I mean, I, I like just for instance. David, I've been in this industry for long enough. You've, you've probably seen the chart before. There's like this incredible 500,000 year chart that shows you history in terms of what it could buy and, and shows silver. And, you know, it goes down when they start controlling the price toward the last century or two. But back in like the Middle Ages and such, silver could buy you an arm and a leg. Yeah. Well, I'll speak up. I was going to look for it first, James, and I can't do it by memory, but there is a chart that came out in Forbes magazine after Warren Buffett announced his purchase of silver. And it showed the inflation-adjusted price of silver from, I think, the 13th century until he bought. That's, that's the one. That, and that's the one. And I forget yeah. the price, but it was – I know because I've lectured on it. I know that for centuries, it was $200 a ounce. Now, that's $200 in today's – In know, 2000's price because that chart right. was from 2000. Correct. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yep. But, you know, so, so there's that. And then it was much higher than that, but it was, you know, fairly briefly – and I don't know what drove it. Maybe just you know global, uh, you know, trade or whatever. But the point is that, and then once it was demonetized, well, before it was demonetized, it dropped to seventy, but still seventy in two thousand when we were looking at you know five dollars. I mean, Buffett bought most of silver under five, so you know five goes into seventy what uh, seven times. So you're, there's that eightfold increase type of thing. Anyway. You got the idea. What was the driver? I don't know. But what I do know is from that historical chart, silver was at the all-time inflation-adjusted low of all time. That's when Buffett bought. Wow. And yeah. on top of that, if you go to the mean of that chart from the 13th century on, you're looking in $2,000 year terms, mm -hmm. 21 years ago, at roughly $100, mm -hmm. which is, again, 20-fold. On where we are so you know i don't know if, I, I mean we've a massive inflation and i'm going to sure. digress here i might lose some people i don't mean to but chris did a, a study for us years ago of what was the pr true value of silver relative to the amount of printing and as i just said in 19 2000 buffett caught it well if you go out in time they keep printing at a greater greater rate especially this last year so if you do the math of paper printing versus value of silver that's above ground, it actually is as good a buy now as it ever's been. Yeah. This right. happens to have a different, you know, amount that's of right. fiat attached to it. But if you want to be gut honest, and I hope I'm not losing anybody, especially yeah. if you're in the audience, you're actually better off now as far as what you're trading your paper for than you were when Buffett did it. 
Yeah, right. No doubt. Hey guys, Speaking, go ahead, Bill. One, one other, one other uh, aspect to look at is how small the silver market really is. I mean, the global production is what 16, 17 billion dollars a year globally. Right. I mean, that's not in today's world. That's not even a ham sandwich. That's not when you're talking about the U.S. Treasury or the ECB or the the Bank of Japan. That's that's like a footnote. Mm -hmm. It's that small. Yeah. No, I mean, think about it in terms of the brand and people's psyche and they understanding silver, especially in the United States. You know, if you have a situation where the currency is going real wrong, uh, it's worth a lot more than 16 billion. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's ridiculous how much money could flow into it. Right. And, you know, I think uh, there'll be much more retail ownership of precious metals if our education system wasn't so screwed up, oh, wow. all this Keynesian nonsense. Like, <laughs> really, that, I mean, that's by design. I mean, to make people really yeah. stupid so they can go and get usurious rates on their credit cards and enjoy paying through the eye for the rest of their lives. I mean, imagine if you you're been in got into the stock market after the last crash. <clears throat> I mean, if you just invented uh, invested in indices, you probably would have compounded fifteen percent a year. Because of what, like the tech stocks and just this bubble has uh, caused. So, I mean, there's there's less desire to acquire non-like assets that don't yield anything right. um, or even mining stocks because of the risk when you can get an easy, what I think is looked upon as a risk-free 10 to 15, 15% rate of return in the stock market. I mean, that's how market participants are acting. Uh, sure. Record sure. level of investors after COVID, which is just. Uh, yeah, it's insane what happened. I mean, I looked at S&P 500 the other day. It's 4,500. I mean, where do we think it could go to? I mean, given the fundamental factors, it looks to me like the Federal Reserve is propping it up because they know that the boomers, the median boomer, the one in the middle, doesn't have a lot saved for the retirement. So they got to keep that stock market juiced and keep them nominally propped up. And so it just seems that's exactly what they're going to do, just like they did at COVID. They came in, slammed it back up and, you know, and ran it back up. And um, I'm assuming that's what they'll do. But over the time, over the next decade, they're going to lose in, in real value to, to real things, precious metals like bullion, silver, gold, et cetera. That's the only thing holding the social fabric together. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly why they're doing it. It's a matter of national security, I think. Right. The New York Federal exactly. Reserve go in there and pump that thing up and, you know, pass the best thing. That is, that is exactly how they're doing it, I'm assuming. <clears throat> okay. So I, I just wanted to speak to what some of the work I did real quick. There's two things about this price of silver today in today's fiat that note U.S. dollars uh, that I've done. I've done videos and I do it probably every quarter or every other quarter, which is um, just a price target using the basic amount of M0 base money that's that the, they keep jacking up every every few weeks. Uh, the last one I did, you know, the price of gold is near. And then this the threshold that I'm using is very conservative. It's saying that we're going to hit a 40 percent threshold, which is time out of the car. I got, I got trucks in my neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> it says basically that we're going to have a repeat of history. So 1934. 1980, 1980, it blew beyond, like 100% beyond uh, the, the M1 uh, fiat currency at the time. 
so we could have gone back on a gold standard in 1980, theoretically. But I'm just saying, I'm assuming we're going to see like something like 1934, okay? And that's a 40% threshold. And at the price now, gold needs to be almost 10,000 fiat Fed notes per troy ounce at that basic conservative level. And I'm assuming whether politically we're going to get there or through some type of crisis in psychological factor with what they're doing in the system. When you do the math on it and you just assume a gold silver ratio of 30, okay, <laughs> that's very conservative because we had 33 in 2011 and this is going to be uber crazier than that. Uh, you already got like a $323, you know, silver price in two days fiat Fed notes. That is no telling what they're going to do in the coming years. If we go into another recession, how stupid it's going to get. And so you're sitting here looking at a $30 bullion piece that could tin bag on you with very little counterparty risk. It's basically a, I don't know, it's an option that just kind of sits somewhere hidden. Um, you know, it's a nice piece of insurance to have. It's not a stupid thing. And, and uh, don't go all in, but obviously you have a prudent position to it. Uh, there's another chart that I often show people, and it's an interesting one as well. It's from Gold Charts R Us, Nick Lard's website. Uh, and it is a, I posted on my Twitter at James Henry and if you want to go look at it, guys, up, out in the chat. Uh, so if you go there and you see it, you'll see three lines. One is the top line, which is all the silver trading from 1970 to 2021 outside of New York Comics Silver Futures trading hours. There's a middle line that shows you the spot price, what we're told the price of silver is. And then there's a line underneath that's very jagged and usually to the downside. And that is the intra New York Comics trading hours. And you can see that the comics pit is essentially set up for, you know, the big fish to crush little fish all day and, and and that's exactly why we have a suppressed silver price but when you look on the outside of the new york hours they weren't trading that back in the day because the algorithms weren't doing what they needed to uh maybe today it doesn't apply but it's when you go over 51 years the damn data tells you uh, i think outside of new york hours it's 233 dollars and eight cents per troy ounce today so it's just another factor another thing that you can look at and that's 51 years of data that's just, that's just not me like pulling that out of thin air that's rolling data that tells you what the price of silver has traded for outside of Comic New York's hours for 51 years. And um, so those are two points I wanted to throw in there. And moving along, Peter, what do you think? I see you nodding your head over there. You got some Yeah, um, <laughs> it's bringing all kinds of uh, sure. uh, things to mind. Uh, David and I have uh, have chatted about this before and the, the fact that you know we see a lot more uh, digital uh, currencies. Um, I mean, I should say central bank digital currencies are, are starting to roll out. I think it's... Um, Ethiopia or, or some some African country has just announced that they've come out with theirs. Uh, this is happening. Uh, it's coming. And uh, I certainly I think David agrees with me. We certainly see the uh, you know, with with a, a likely reset, um, precious metals having a role in backing some kind of, uh, of digital currency before we even get there. I think that using digital currencies and replacing, uh, you know, what we currently have as as currency it's just going to make the whole thing explode in terms of um, in terms of quantities, and then if you have to back that with with uh, precious metals, then the sky really is the limit in terms of what the prices and uh, can be in those currencies for for these metals. So I mean, you know, you just have to look at where things are headed, and and what's what seems. Uh, I don't know about likely, but has a you know a reasonably high probability of happening, and uh, again, the sky's the limit in terms of uh, in terms of value. I think there's something else that that people have missed out, and that um, and that's part of what David alluded to earlier about how so much of the game comes near the end. Is silver the way I well, I like to phrase it is it's a FOMO target, right? Fear of missing out, mm -hmm. and so. 
when people see gold go crazy, uh, which it will, they're going to look for an alternative because they're going to say, well, you know, gold's already gone up so much. It's five, whatever it might be at that point in time, $10,000 an ounce, and they'll look for an alternative. And silver is the obvious, obvious alternative. And uh, at that point, it might be a couple hundred dollars an ounce. And they might say, wow, that's cheap. <laughs> no doubt. Think of think of Ethereum versus Bitcoin. And all of a sudden, exactly. Ethereum is massive, thousands of dollars. I mean, this is essentially the same idea. That's right. Exactly. And and at one point, I, I you know, this goes back to last fall. I said, you know, silver is likely to be the next Bitcoin, and and uh, you know, Bitcoin itself is you know ha has some chance. Uh, I don't think uh, anybody really knows, but some chance of being um, topped in terms of performance um, sometime down the line. Uh, not that it's that anything else is going to be equivalent, but if silver, if, if Bitcoin gets topped by some kind of other digital currency, um, why can't we see silver, you know, you know, dramatically outperform gold even? And so I certainly think that's where things are heading. So I was looking at the charts. I look at long term charts all the time. S&P 500 is a 4,500 right now. It takes about 187 ounces of silver to buy a share in the S&P. Uh, it bottomed in 1980. I know, Dave, ridiculous. It bottomed in 1980 at 20. A tube of silver could have gotten you a share of the S&P 500. Uh, and so there you go. You get 187 versus 20. If that's our future, something crazy like that. I and mean, that's a huge amount of gains you can get on the entire S&P 500. Um, so, I mean, David, do you think that's even possible, again, to see it go back down to a tube of silver for the S&P 500? Oh, I do. Yeah, I mean, there's so much fluff in the system right oh, now. Yeah. I mean, not to pick on Bill, we're pretty close. And, but, and he's right what he said. My point being is when the system collapses, that doesn't mean everything burns to the ground, but the businesses that are viable that will be able to continue because they haven't been over indebted, you'll have a new, you know, debt load. And that debt load will be significantly less than it is now, meaning that stomach stuff will just go to monetary heaven and never exist again. Yep. So under that condition, your repricing may be different than you know what it is in theory to pay off all the debt right now. I mean, all these debts, C.V. Myers, I've had almost every book he wrote behind me, and he says all debt is paid off. You know, well, but how can that be? But in a way, what he meant was that if you default, then That's the crazy. loan that was given to that business, that person, that government, that government. Oh, wait a minute. You mean the governments borrow all the money that's in existence? Oh, yeah. Most people forget that. They go out of business. So yeah. there's a lot at stake here. Most people have no idea what's really going on. You know, they think the government produces something. Well, they do. It's called misery. But outside of that, there isn't much that they do. Hey, Bill, I know you got a hard stop pretty soon. So yeah. If you exit early, that's totally I was fine. Say, I've got to go, but I want to leave you with this. Um, fear is a greater emotion than greed. And where this is going, I don't think it's going to be fear of missing out. I think it's going to be just raw fear, which is going to drive capital toward the metals. And my standard answer now, when people ask me, how much should I have in gold? How much should I have in silver? I'm not talking about the percentage of the two, but my answer is whatever you don't want to lose because gold and silver are the only two monies on the planet that do not have liability. Everything else has liability. And in a world that's bankrupting, that's not where you want to be. You want to, you want to be in a safe haven without liability. So guys, thanks 
for having me. Yeah, thanks. Got to jump. Thanks for coming. Yep. All right. Have on, a great man. day, guys. Cheers, buddy. Good luck with you. Good luck. Take care. Thanks, thanks Bill. <laughs> James, uh, if if I may, just sort of chime in for a second. You you brought up that um, that um, ratio of silver to the S and P back in 1980, and I actually have have it in front of me. Um, it's at it was at 0.445, and and so I did the math. And uh, if you were to figure out, <laughs> if we were to have a repeat of that uh, today, silver would uh, be up somewhere around, I believe it said 1958 dollars. <laughs> So um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of upside uh, at this point. If, yeah, in, you know, if in mania is in mania the upside. It, it gets it as dumb as the suppression and the and the and how humiliating as the absolute crimes that have gone on in this market this past decade, 2010s, and in our face in front of everybody. As bad as that's been, is as crazy and as good as it could get on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I and in a condensed time frame, like take all that pain and shove it into euphoria on the up. Chris, what do you think of that? I like the smile on your face. I think you like that idea. <laughs> yeah, and also thinking, you know, we never know what can happen if silver, if you apply the same monetary value or demand for silver as you do to gold during a mania, silver could theoretically, uh, you know, surpass the price of gold. Yeah, no, there's and people who talked that about that. I, nuts, yeah, yeah. But, if the government's imagine if government says uh, gold bullion is too important for uh, our monetary system for you to even use, all of a sudden silver is the only thing you can run to. <laughs> I mean, a scenario like that is something that is is not out of the question. I have to chime in real briefly, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my first visits, uh, actually, Mike Mike Maloney and I both uh, did a speech in Singapore, and they had hats that they were giving out. Silver I remember that. Next, silver, the next gold. And what they meant was exactly that, that when you're not allowed to own gold for whatever reason, the only place to go is silver. And at that point, and and I just got another thought I have to put in. If you go to Gold Eagle, I think it's gold-eagle.com, and type in um, gold is the road to fiat. I think that's it. The gentleman, and I can remember now how to pronounce his name, it's like T-J-A-D-A or something. But he wrote three articles on a gold-only standard is one step to fiat. That in order to have a really honest monetary system, you have to have silver in the equation. And without it, you're going to go to a gold-only standard. And once you go to a gold-only standard, you go to a fiat standard. And once you go to a fiat standard, you have a financial problem. And it's a very well-thought-out article. It goes back... uh, into the uh, 16th century or so and build his argument. So for those silver buffs out there that want to investigate a little bit. And the other point of that series of articles is that you cannot have a fixed ratio. The market must determine what is the right amount of silver to gold, which would vary. Right. And of course, that's why we got in the opium wars and everything else. And I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole. No, but that's a fact. If you fix it, there's going to be real problems. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it, to your point, David. That's exactly w- what the U.S. did. We were founded on a silver standard. Then we went on to buy a metallic standard, but we fixed we uh, fixed the silver price to gold. So then, when uh, the gold rush happened, um, you know, money started. Uh, Gresham's law went into effect, and 
good money or bad money chased out good, meaning overvalued money chased out cheap money. Silver was hoarded uh, internationally and they were forced to, well, not forced, they, they planned, it had to be a gold only standard. And then we slowly went to fiat. So obviously CBDCs are coming. The fiat CBDC grid is coming. That's a huge thing. And one thing about silver bullion, obviously we know the upside could get really silly. We don't know how silly it could get because it, I mean, it's just one of the last places you can go that'll literally not be digital outside of everything. And obviously in a situation where cash is no longer even used, except for maybe small little dollars and fives and tens for occasional bus rides or what have you, um, you, you may end up having a situation where and this is one thing I suggested is that bullion may go black market, essentially, where, you know, all of a sudden Mexican cartels, um, you name it, any type of black market operations are going to be running bullion as well. And it's if you've ever seen the Hollywood mover loopers, uh, they got a few things wrong on that. They were they had like yuan chinese cash notes by 2074 there's not a chance there's going to be a yuan cash note i mean that might be by 2024 uh so so but the truth the the best point they had is that gold and silver were so damn precious that they were only used in absolutely like high level black market crime and then gold was only used for your long-term retirement if you wanted to stay off the grid so um anyways i wanted to drop that out there holly hollywood did have some insights in that movie that were pretty funny and this is a movie from like 2011 or 2012 it's a uh, violent action movie so all right well you guys obviously we know that silver is uh, undervalued at the moment and i really want to thank you for being in here and coming on and thanks to everybody behind the scenes here at Silverfest too it's always excellent to be here um so can you give your website peter croft to those that were listening yeah, so that's uh, still silverstockinvestor.com and also goldresourceinvestor.com. Chris Marchese, how do they find you, buddy? Uh, goldseek.com or silverseek.com. Great. Either one. And David Morgan, the silver guru. <laughs> the morganreport.com. Great. And I'm James Anderson, sdboy.com. You can find my Twitter handle at James Henry, and that's probably the easiest way. I just wanted to pop on really quick and say, wow, you guys, what a great panel. And I, it was great to be able to listen while I was getting people lined up for the next one. But thank you all for being here and you're all awesome. And we're gonna end now and get the next stream started. But if you guys wanna pop into any of the booths and chat with people, I'm sure everybody's got questions for you guys. So hit up those expo booths and, and let me know where you are and I can broadcast it on the event chat, okay? All right. Thanks, Sarah. Right. So much, everyone. We'll see you all in a minute. Ciao. Ciao. Cheers. Well, thank you so much for everyone involved with that panel and everyone at home watching. Sure to appreciate you as well. And a quick note before we wrap up here, because as you may know, there's a company called BlackRock that I'm not such a big fan of. And some of you may be familiar or may have heard this call where uh, last year, I called BlackRock, which owns iShares, the fraudulent uh, silver trust that does business with its partners, Goldman Sachs and, and JP Morgan. And I asked how, or actually here, you can hear for yourself. Sorry for that hold. Sorry for that hold. Um, yeah, just to confirm. So you're looking for performance information around the silver ETF? Uh, I guess you could say that, although more specifically, I'm confused of how the price of silver came down 10% when you guys claim to have added a historical amount of metal on February 2nd. Now, while I have not heard back from BlackRock 
the financial fraudulent firm yet. Let's at least point out that just because there's BlackRock in the name, be careful because fortunately, we do have BlackRock Silver, which is a much different entity because unlike the BlackRock that runs iShares SLV, which is full of fraud, uh, Andrew Pollard, who runs BlackRock Silver Corporation, a much different entity because they're actually going out, they've located silver, eventually be digging out of the ground if all goes according to plan. But just before we wrap up, uh, I mentioned BlackRock because they are one of the sponsors that brings you the show each time and certainly not legal financial advice. But we did have Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics on a while back sharing a few thoughts of his own on BlackRock Silver, which I'll play uh, uh, about 30 seconds of now. Our show, which is BlackRock Silver, which I know you have covered, and I will add they do support the show and help bring everybody these episodes. Although, Dave, you do not have any financial incentive you receive from them. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, uh, it's one of the largest positions in my fund right now. Um, and I think it's uh, I, I think it's got a project that potentially means five to ten times more upside from where the stock is trading now. You know, again, it's not guaranteed, but in my opinion, it, it, it smells like that could be the case. Well, I appreciate that. And by all means, folks at home. Uh... So there you go. Just some thoughts from Dave Franzler. Although if you'd like to hear more about BlackRock from Andrew Pollard, the man who runs it. Uh, fortunately, he's a lot easier to get on camera than Larry Fink or the other BlackRock, but it's coming your way now. 